Welcome to the For the Fans podcast, the podcast for fans, by fans. I'm your host, Dalton Scamahorn. And I'm the other host, Philip Janini. And we're working men again, Phil. We started this podcast during a layoff, and uh, now we're both working again, so sometimes we have to record on a Saturday. So uh, this one's coming out a little bit late, but you know, we still got a lot of uh, good sports talk coming up, so we're going to jump right into it with the NFL draft. Uh, Phil, what are your thoughts, man? Well, I thought it was I thought it was an interesting draft. Definitely, uh, as a Dolphins fan, having two picks is great. So the, the first round was was pretty awesome. Lots of trades, and you know, guys went where they were supposed to go, and other times they didn't. Let's just kind of get into it right now, though. Dalton, Trevor Lawrence, he went first. We already knew that was going to happen. I think everyone did. He's going to Jacksonville. He's without a doubt like their new franchise quarterback. He already has their playbook. He's you know. Won his whole entire college career. He's won his whole high school career. So hopefully he brings that to uh, Jacksonville and Urban Meyer is the coach. So I'm actually excited to see this. I believe they had another pick in the draft. So we'll get into that a little after. But one, two, three quarterbacks, Dalton. So second was uh, Zach Wilson to the Jets. And third was Trey Lance from North Dakota State. What do you think about the three quarterbacks going top three? I thought it was a smart move by uh, each of those franchises, you know, lots of them wanting to hit uh, a reset button, getting a strong quarterback early on in the draft. Um, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, like you said, it was a shoe-in for the pick. I'm sure as soon as he figured out he wasn't going to the Jets, he contacted the Jags, got their playbook, and started going over, getting ready for their season. But uh, yeah, no, I think it it was some smart moves by them. Um, These guys are going to go into their... uh, franchises right off the bat make a big splash and uh maybe we'll see him turn around some of these uh teams in a year or two here so do you like the trey lance to the 49ers uh well i know a lot of people were talking had like uh mac jones going number three who well ended up going to the patriots and he'll end up being their their new uh stud quarterback of the future but uh no i, I thought it was a pretty decent move Trey Lance had a decent season and stuff and he seemed to be a little bit of the the dark horse but I know a lot of people were saying that was pretty early for him to go in the draft yeah but I think uh 49ers saw something they liked he didn't play I think he played one game last year because of COVID and hasn't really played a lot compared to other people but he hasn't lost a game since high school legit I think he was like 17 or no um excited to see if you know if he's going to be their new guy so let's talk about Mac Jones right he went to the Patriots and to be honest, I I don't think he's that good because I think he had a really, really good Alabama team. But is he going to a place where he can get, become great? A hundred percent. But I'm just saying that like right now, like that the reason why he went 15th and not he didn't go one, two, three was because he had a lot of really good guys around him. I mean, Alabama had six people in the first round go. That's amazing. They had like multiple positions. Oh yeah, you well, you look at Alabama. You could put me or you in the quarterback position, and there's a chance that we'd at least throw a couple touchdowns here and there. I'm not saying that uh, Mac Jones isn't a good quarterback by any means, but I, I definitely agree with you. Like, if you get put into a situation like that, like situational quarterbacks, even if you're playing up to your potential, like when you've got half of your receiving core going in the first round, like it's it's a pretty, pretty good gimme. So I, I guess Patriots got what they wanted. They were talking originally about trading up for Mac Jones. So they 
didn't end up having to trade him. They took him on a slide, and Mac Jones got what he wanted. You could see him talking to Goodell, saying, Hey, I got the team I wanted to be on. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be the uh, the guy that takes Cam Newton's job. <laughs> there was that commercial with that little kid originally <laughs> warming up his arm. Turns out that kid was Mac Jones. Uh, I was, I'm still thinking that Cam Newton might... Uh... Might still kind of start. There all depends on the, on the player player development and progression. Let's move to the fourth pick, though. This was an easy one. Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida to Atlanta. Man, this guy's a fucking beast. He ran a 4'4", he's 6'6", 240 pounds. I think he's like the first tight end picked like within the top five. So obviously like Atlanta has a lot of holes, but it's like a player you can't really miss. Which is funny because, I mean, the Dolphins had that third pick, so they... They could have potentially picked him, but uh, instead, they uh, they moved down to sixth, and they got Jalen Waddle. So I thought they were going to get Jamar Chase. He went um, a pick before to the Bengals, so now Burrow and Chase are reunited. But now Tua is reunited with Jalen Waddle. His injury a little concerns me, but the speed, man. He's one of the fastest recruits I've seen in a really long time. I'm so excited that he's a, he's a Dolphin. I thought... Doing this kind of helped them out. They still got a really good player regardless of where they went. So I'm super pumped about that. You want to move over to the Cowboys? Are you, you happy with uh, Mika Parsons, linebacker from uh, – where was he from? Penn State. He actually sat out. Penn State. He sat out last season. So uh, it seemed that he might have slid a bit. But I, I saw some pre-draft rankings that had him actually uh, ranked as high as eight. Uh, for a player that hadn't played before uh, – in 2020 and uh i don't know at first i was watching the draft and the cowboys picks seemed to be like they were it was going to go all over the place i had us originally uh drafting uh patrick certain the second uh me too but or caleb Farley. yeah exactly exactly like we are hurting in the cornerback position which i mean like it's no it's no secret the cowboys defense wasn't the best last year i mean we can score we can score up a storm but we can't stop shit right now. So, I mean, I liked the pick, uh, especially with Sean Lee announcing his retirement. We needed another linebacker. We got a linebacker. He's going to look great there playing with uh, Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch if he plays. <laughs> like, the man's always injured. Uh, but, yeah, it seemed like we got blocked a couple times on our picks. Those cornerbacks going a lot earlier than people thought they would. Uh really mad at denver <laughs> and carolina because Car- carolina carolina took jc horn and then denver took um patrick certain the second who had a ps2 chain because ps2 is his initials i thought it was the coolest thing oh man. he had a p he had a psd controller chain that's that was what he was rocking at the at the draft i love that i think it was a smart move by the cowboys though trading down uh we originally had they got a pick yeah, we got a pick out of it and uh we had pick 10. It hurt to trade the pick to the Eagles so they could draft Devonta Smith and uh, get the Heisman Trophy winning uh, wide receiver that will probably put up touchdown after touchdown after touchdown for the next few seasons against us. But I mean, like, in the position we were in, we didn't need another wide receiver. Our wide receiver core is already kind of filled out. I mean, you can only draft so much offense and you can see from the Cowboys from this draft, like it was a defensive draft. Our first three picks in the draft were defensive players. We got our cornerback in the second round 
uh, taking Kelvin Joseph. And you know what? I'm really hopeful that this will help the Cowboys a little bit defensively moving forward. It's going to be a young defensive core, but you never know. It could be a good defensive core. Yeah, I mean, the smartest thing you guys did was just try to fix the holes and the needs of of the offense of the defense because your offense is is fine it's paid for so there's other things to worry about and that's what these like fair weather fans don't understand i literally laugh so much at twitter scouts and armchair gms i was looking at the dolphins comments on all of their picks and it was like this is the worst draft ever blah 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 uh why didn't we draft a running back all they wanted was a running back these uh fans and the Dolphins are like, we got Miles Gaskin, and you know we'll see what happens in the second round. Because with their 18th pick, they picked Jalen Phillips, who's an edge rusher. But he was the first edge rusher picked in the whole entire draft. So like, what these fans don't understand is you pick the best player available. That's that's how you draft in the NFL. You have to pick the best player available. Now we have a guy who. They're, you know, they kept showing him sacking Trevor Lawrence and stripping the ball. So that was like the one clip they kept showing. But he played for the U. He played for Miami. The U. So he's, yeah. So it's just sick that he he's basically just got to just basically walk to a new stadium. So I'm pumped with that pick. And you know what? You, you can't just like say anything about these guys until they play. They have to play first. Oh yeah. So you just gotta give him. You just gotta give him. Give him a chance. That's what was just cheesing me. I looked at your the Cowboys, uh, Twitter comments. I looked at the Dolphins. I was just laughing. I was just giggling because I felt that both teams were making great picks. Oh, absolutely. So you're actually filling holes on your team rather than just taking the best offensive player available. And that's something like I noticed a little bit with uh, Atlanta. I know it's Kyle Pitts. Like that's easy, easy, easy pick for a tight end, but. Atlanta had the worst defense in the league last year. Like, I mean, it's a great pick, great player to build around, but when you're talking especially about uh, moving out Julio Jones probably, and, like, Atlanta needs to build the defensive core. I'm hoping that they ended up drafting more defense in the draft afterwards, but, yeah, you actually have to go for the positions that uh, you need help in, like... <laughs> I laugh. You look at Green Bay. <laughs> Green Bay never does this. <laughs> they have their uh, disgruntled uh, MVP quarterback in Aaron Rodgers saying, hey man, get me some help. Maybe maybe a wide receiver here. Maybe another weapon I can throw to. And they're like, yeah. So we're going to draft. Uh, last year, they got uh, another quarterback. And uh, oh yeah, this year, oh, we'll, we'll take a cornerback. Why not? Screw it. <laughs> Jordan Love was like the first offensive player, the last offensive player they got since like 2015. Yeah. He's the only one. They only drafted one in the first round. Um, Aaron Rodgers, he's pissed off. I'm glad you brought that up. That kind of uh, shocked the uh, the football world. I don't know what to think of it. I think he's still going to play. Do you think? Unless, the, unless they somehow get a trade going. Do you think he's going to play for Green Bay though? Because he's even threatened retirement now. After an MVP season. He's not done, though, so why would he retire? So he could go to a different team? I mean... So if you retire, you get out of your contract? Gronk did it. Very <laughs> Prevented him from going to the Lions, too, so... I mean, That's roachy, though. Hey, man, if they're not going to trade you, they're not going to help you, and there's nothing you can do, you either play it out and bite your tongue, which it looks like Aaron Rodgers has been doing it for years and years and years, or you do something about it. And, I mean, 
the 49ers reached out earlier in the draft asking about uh, Aaron Rodgers, seeing if he was available. Green Bay said no. And then a few minutes later, Aaron Rodgers releases a list of teams that he wants to go to with the 49ers being one of the teams on it. Why would he go to a team with another young quarterback that's just going to take a spot? <laughs> well, this this was before the draft. This is before they drafted. Yeah, so. but they knew he was getting they knew they were getting quarterback. That's why they moved up. So, I don't know. Where where else did he say Chicago? That doesn't make sense. They drafted Justin Fields at 11, traded up 9 spots to do that, which is I thought was actually one of the best draft picks was Justin Fields. Poor Andy Dalton. <laughs> poor, poor Andy Dalton. <laughs> the man will never get to start for a team again. <laughs> oh, he had his chance with the Bengals. But remember, we were oh talking to the speaking of the Bengals because uh, you were mentioning like oh you know they uh, Atlanta picked Pitts when they could have picked a defensive, but I thought since he should have picked. Uh, Pene Sewell, the uh, the tackle from Oregon, mm-hmm. he went in the first ten. But I thought they were going to get someone to protect Burrow, but they got someone for Burrow to throw to, which which could all work out. I mean, they played together, and I mean, I wanted him on the Dolphins. He's a sick player, Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. But after seeing like Burrow's knee, the the scar that they the picture came out, sick jerseys by the way, very nice. I like that. I was just like, okay, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna protect him because he had some you know brilliant flashes and he started until he got hurt so oh, yeah but like it's great to have some offensive weapons for him to throw to but like you said man if he's getting injured every single season and like if no one's protecting him you don't want your star quarterback getting hurt in the first couple of years of his career because that could just well offset the entire thing there's a couple other guys that you know late first rounds but Najee harris alabama he went to the steelers so that's a lot of people, a lot of Dolphin fans thought they he was going to go there, but I think they're sticking with uh, Miles Gaskin. And then uh, a pick later, the Jags picked up uh, Travis Etienne. Um, he is uh, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence's teammate. So there was a lot of kind of like mixing guys have played together before. I I didn't really see that a lot. Um, I'm not sure where Chuba went. Do you know where Chuba? Did he get Did he get drafted this this past year? Like this this draft? He was supposed to get drafted, yeah. Because I know he fell a lot in his draft prospects. Yeah, I think it was like day two or three. Yeah, whereas if he would have declared last year, he would have went day one. But uh, what can you do? That's uh, Chuba Hubbard, uh, Sherwood Park's very own. So From Berta, from Alberta. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm actually curious. I actually don't know where he went in this draft. I, I know he was uh he was definitely up there so it was a very weak running back draft compared to 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 most which is I'm kind of glad they didn't uh, Dolphins didn't draft a running back then there's a lot of good players out there defensively yeah absolutely it was a pretty strong defensive draft that's why I was pretty excited for the Cowboys picking up a couple uh top prospects it was weird though because like not everyone played the same amount of games and some people didn't play at all. So it was just weird seeing that. So I don't know how that's going to kind of you know make up what what the draft was supposed to be. Could have could have went a whole different way if if people got to see people play full seasons instead of seeing them just at their pro days, but some of those guys that took those times off just absolutely shined and they were still getting drafted super high. Yeah, well, especially you look at the the Mika Parsons pick. That's why I was pretty excited about getting him. I know there were a lot of people 
kind of pissed off that uh, we took a guy who hadn't played this last year. But if you look at him the year before, man, he does everything and he stops everything. I think it's going to be a huge pickup for uh, Cowboys. And I mean, like, yeah, it's it's weird. Like you said, there's strange things. And it's going to be the same with the NHL draft in the future where you have these guys that some have played a few games here, some have played no games at all, some have played a full season, and, like, yeah, it, it could be in a completely different draft if everyone played a full season this year. But I think the draft is uh, still going on now. You know, you got rounds three to seven, but there's been some studs in those later uh, rounds. We'll never know until the future, but Ryan Fitzpatrick was a round seven. Brady was obviously round six, so... You look at the Cowboys' current roster, they uh, had one draft, I think it was 2015. Half of our starters are from that draft. That's good That's good scouting then from Jerry. Yeah, yeah. it was the, the Zeke draft. We picked up Zeke and Dak and all the boys on the bus <laughs> in one draft. I'm so excited for football season, super excited for uh, fantasy football season as well. The draft always fires me up. I don't know. I think they do a great job. Goodell had his chair. He brought up the fans. Sometimes it's a little corny. I think they they were better than last year where they basically like harped on everyone's like dead family member or parent with addiction. You know when they really got deep in the virtual one last year on the families? <laughs> Kept bringing up all this negative stuff. Uh, I didn't really see that a lot this time. Yeah, I, that's what I was noticing a lot with uh, this draft compared to the last draft. Last draft was like a God, it was like a soap opera drama. Like, you had bad news for every single uh, player getting drafted and, like, how they overcame. And, I mean, like, kudos to all these guys that are overcoming, like, these huge life changes, like losing family members, etc. But, like, you could see, especially with this draft in uh, Cleveland, I thought it was interesting how they brought in some vaccinated fans and they did tests beforehand and they kind of had a little representation from uh, each team. And then they, they brought him up for the draft to announce the picks and stuff. I thought it was a really interesting uh, scenario, and it was a nice way to kind of bring in a little bit more normalcy to the draft again, like rather than having a full stadium of people again. That's what they're usually like, I think. Yeah, they, they usually do just little pockets of fans rather than... Because I know the NHL draft is usually like an entire stadium full of people. You know, the NFL draft's like you got your like groups of like fans that are together oh yeah so like it depends sometimes they're sitting sometimes they're just standing <laughs> sometimes it's just the but, big crowd <laughs> yeah nhl drafts a little more you know prim and proper suit sit down wait your turn fans are there still but we'll get into hockey a little later i'm, I'm excited to chat about the north division but the the north team in baseball, which is playing in the South, though. Blue Jays, 12 and 12, 500. I'm, I'm enjoying them. Love watching them. It's uh, something the Janinis tend to do when hockey's not on. My mom's a big Blue Jays fan, so we've been, we've been watching them like, uh, like nonstop. So I'm super excited to say they're in second place. They're only three and a half games behind Boston. Uh, Red Sox are playing really well right now, so. We just got to keep playing. Uh, they went 2-1 and one versus the Rays. They went, I think, 2-0 and oh versus the Nationals and, like, Vladdy. Oh. But he got two home runs and a grand slam for three home runs in one game, seven RBIs. What a beauty. He's playing amazing. He's the youngest Blue Jay ever to get a hattie of 
uh, home runs at 22 years, 42 days. Like, this kid is exactly what we thought he was going to be. And now with, like, the way he's looking and the way he's playing, he's the best young prospect in baseball right now. Like, for a hitting prospect, he's insane. And I absolutely love watching it. The Jays are such an exciting team to watch right now because you look at the uh, the lineup they have batting and it's, oh man, like, they're a deep team. It's probably the deepest Jays team that we've seen in years. Yeah, and like 12 and 12 doesn't really have the whole story, but they're starting to kind of win series and hopefully get that. For, I think that I don't think they have a sweep yet because I don't count two game two game sets as sweeps. So hopefully they get a sweep soon. They're playing the Braves right now. Then they play Oakland right after. Did you see the last game versus the Braves though? Thirteen to five. Yeah, I saw that they they. They crushed them. Oh, what did you think of uh, Springer coming back? Yeah, I mean he's finally back, which is amazing to see. <laughs> you mean I finally got to see him for the first yeah. time? My mom kept my mom kept saying, uh, "Where's this guy? We paid all this money." It's like he's coming. He's coming. Like, he's hurt, ma. <laughs> oh, he's finally. Um, I think he's great. I mean, he had a good game yesterday, and he, you know, he he's that leadoff guy that we need. So it's nice to see that um, that paying off. Um, don't know when he's going to make it to the outfield. He's just DHing right now. But I think that's uh, hopefully soon. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of something they're slowly easing him in, which, I mean, good thing to do when you have, what, 162 games in a season? Yeah, 162. Yeah, so I mean, like, ease him in, make sure he doesn't immediately hurt himself getting back in, and, like, he's going to he's gonna pop off. It's, it's George Springer, like, Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, but he's back, and now Ryu's on the 10-game DL for a little minor strain that he got pitching on the other day. So that's a little shot in the foot, but I don't think it's serious. I uh, just hate, hate when see when pitchers go down. And uh, pitchers, let's talk about one who threw a no-no the other day, but it was a seven-inning no-no, so it technically does not count in the records books. So it was Madison Bumgarner of the Diamondbacks. He used to play for the uh, San Francisco Giants. Do you think it should count in the record books? Like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this whole, like, he kind of got it but didn't get it technically? Yeah, so just to uh, explain to the fans uh, what's going on there is uh, the during COVID, when you play a doubleheader, your second game in a doubleheader is only seven innings rather than playing the full nine or even the chance of going to overtime. Madison Bumgarner pitched all seven innings and threw a no-no, but it was only seven innings, and by their collective bargaining agreement, seven innings doesn't count as a full game. So, on a technicality, because he didn't throw a full nine innings, it doesn't count as a no-hitter, which... Just a complete game shutout, Yeah, it's a complete game shutout, which I mean, like, what if he had been pitching a perfect game, Phil? Are you just not going to count that if it's a seven-inning game rather than a nine-inning game? Yeah, you're not going to count it. Which, I mean, like, that sucks for him. Like, I mean, what, what, there's nothing he could do about it. You can't petition to play two extra innings. You can't be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm pitching great and we're killing them. Can we just throw the ball a couple more times? Like... Well, it just shows how kind of I don't really like this whole double header seven inning rule. Um, but yeah, it's you know rules are rules, and I think there should be an asterisk 
at least. Yeah, I think just to show that it's seven innings, because I mean, it, all those guys that have nine inning no hitters. I mean, what are you kind of saying to them if you give it to this guy? Well, I think you definitely at least count it and, like you said, put an asterisk on it. Like, he still did it. (laughs) It's like they didn't think about it when they made the rule last year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were in a bit of a hurry to just try to get the season up and off the ground. So putting in the the seven-inning doubleheader, I mean, that's a lot of baseball to play in a COVID year, especially when you're still playing doubleheaders. I thought something really interesting. Did you see one of the minor leagues is going to home run derby as a uh, um, overtime rule? No. Yeah, one of the minor leagues, if they go to overtime, it just switches to a home run derby. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? What Savannah Bananas uh, is this about? Yeah, it's... I don't know, man. I I thought like it's it's an interesting idea. Seems more like an all star game idea, but nothing you'd ever see in the MLB. <laughs> Feels like a like a little kid's like science fair, like art project or something. Like you know what I mean? Like come up with a cool idea to make baseball more fun. <laughs> Home run derby. <laughs> oh, run derby. <laughs> Vladdy would Vladdy would love that. He would kill. Couple, we would never couple. lose an overtime game ever again couple placatas you know we'll, we'll you know baseball's a long season so we'll you know we'll keep up with the how the jays are doing um i'll be continuously watching them every time i can it does get a little boring sometimes baseball maybe you do need a home run derby but something i didn't watch dalton and i sunked myself hard was the ufc fight oh um i guess last saturday and i still wanted to bring it up because you know, I, I I saw some of the highlights and stuff like that, and like, wow, I missed <laughs> I missed a pretty good uh, three title fight night, eh? Oh, buddy, you probably missed the best UFC card since UFC two seventeen, which was the one where uh, George Saint Pierre won his uh, middleweight title. But uh, yeah, UFC two sixty one, what a card! The entire card, if you take the entire main card and take just the fights. It's about half an hour of fights. Total time between about, well, let's see, one, two, three, four, five fights here. And about 30 minutes total octagon time. Crazy card. So to start off the card, you had uh, Smith versus Crute, which ends in a TKO stoppage. Crute uh, got kicked in the back of the knee. And I think he blew up, like, his ACL or MCL or what. The man could not stand on his leg. He finished the round on one leg, and then he goes to line up against Anthony Smith, and you can see, like, he can't stand. And he's, like, throwing kicks on this messed up leg. So that got ended by uh, Dr. Stoppage in the, well, TKO Dr. Stoppage. That was disgusting. Oh, dude. Well, that wasn't even the most disgusting thing. We have... The next fight, Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman, and that one, we didn't get a single, well, the entire fight had one kick thrown, and what a gross kick that was. So, Chris Weidman, the man who beat Anderson Silva via Silva throwing a kick, getting it checked, and breaking his leg, starts off the fight 
throws a kick against Hall, and you can see he's not throwing another kick for a long time. His leg hits Hall, wraps around Hall's leg, and then the fight immediately gets called. Chris Weidman needed to be stretchered off. He broke through both bones in his leg. Oh, he was screaming, eh? Oh, yeah. Well, man, could you imagine the pain? Like, his, his leg... Was it his femur? Yeah, he snapped his femur. Yeah. It's disgusting, man. You sent me... You're like, did you see what happened? So, it's funny. You said Weidman. I was like, what did Chris Weidman do from NHL? <laughs> and then I and then I Googled it, and then I, like, literally almost yacked. Like, that's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Almost as bad as Kevin Ware, Louisville injury. Dude, I can't believe... And I've seen... And I saw the Anderson Silva one. Yeah. And I thought that was disgusting, too. Just the fact you're kicking that hard, your bone breaks. And you're the one who who did the kick. Yeah. Oh, bone on bone, right? Yeah. And, well, that was the first fight won in UFC history where the guy who won didn't throw a single strike. Uriah Hall won that fight without doing anything. He showed up, and he got paid for winning. He felt bad, though, or, like, he was happy, but his face and seeing what happened, like, I think he was shocked, too. Oh, yeah, I think there was a bit of trauma on both sides. I mean, like, you're fighting a... Was this, was this the uh, meme of Dana? Or Joe Rogan, sorry? Oh, no, that was, uh, that was... Which, where's the one where that's hot now, where he's fucking, his eyes are, like, lying up, <laughs> holding everyone back? Which, was that not for the one that broke the guy's leg so there was actually uh two different joe rogan memes that uh came out that night we got two joe rogan faces and uh that was from two of the uh well actually the final two fights of the night uh i'll get into namayunas versus zhang a little bit uh and uh uzman versus masvidal which were both very short fights hence the rogan face but right before that we got a banger of a fight between Shevchenko and Andrade. Um, Shevchenko, like, she is the best women's fighter not named Amanda Nunes right now. We called it. We did. We we called it on this pod. Yeah. We said it. When we talked about this fight, we, we both picked her and said she's basically the other best women fighter and she's going to easily win this one. And she did. Like, she, and she, did. she had the height advantage. She had the reach advantage. It looked like an easy fight, and Andrade is a former strawweight champion. Like, she's no slouch. She's a great fighter. She's a great wrestler, but she was completely outclassed. It went to a TKO decision on strikes in the second round. Uh, Shevchenko never looked like she was, well, never looked like she had to defend. She was 100% just beating the pulp out of Andrade, and now she has five straight title defenses i don't know who you put against her next and like i think you start lining her up for multiple fights back to back because she's taking no damage from these fights how big's flyweight in women's or does this change uh so you've got her currently fighting at 125 i believe whereas the the lowest weight you can get in women's fighting is 115 so i mean she could go down in weight if she wanted to and that would actually lead us into the next fight we had. Uh, Rose Namajunas versus uh, Weile Zhang. Namajunas. Didn't, didn't call this one. Did not <laughs> did not call this one. I had Zhang winning via KO or something. She is an amazing fighter. But Namajunas, holy 
Shit. This was sick. Oh man. I did see I saw this one. I had to. It's it was it was a sick hit. Well she was she was kinda of on her heels a little bit, and I'm like, okay, okay, what's she waiting for? And then boom! This nasty head kick that just takes Weilei Zhang off her feet, throws her backwards, and then that's when you got the Joe Rogan face. <laughs> because Nami Yunus gets on top of her, starts giving the extra strikes, and Keith Peterson throws her off, calls the fight TKO. Well, Zhang immediately gets up and goes, what the hell? I wasn't done fighting. What's with this early stoppage? And some people were even saying it was an early stoppage. I completely disagree with that. I think Nami Yunus won fair and square. She was getting in the extra strikes to her head, and it comes to a certain point, like, what do you want her to do? Completely kill her before the fight's over? Like, she was done. She got knocked off her feet. She was knocked out. You could see her getting up. She was a little wobbly. Yes, I think you do the rematch. I think you do Nami Yunus v. Zhang too. Like, it's it's worth it. It's worth it for the fight. Or, if Shevchenko wants to go down and wait, Shevchenko versus Nami Yunus would be a hell of a fight. Shevchenko versus Zhang would be a hell of a fight too, right? I think anyone. But, I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due for the, you know, Nami Yunus for winning. So that would be a definitely a sick one now it's up to chevchenko if she wants to cut some weight right oh absolutely something also interesting i found about that fight is uh well first off that kick ended a 21 fight win streak for weile Zhang. yeah she was that's why i picked yeah, her yeah she was 21 and one <laughs> now she's 21 and two and that win actually made nami yunes the first two times women's champ ever so she's the first woman to win a belt, lose her belt, and win her belt back. I mean, Shevchenko and Nunes have never lost their belt yet. They've had the title defenses and such, but she's the first two-time champ, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, Nami Nunes is a hell of a fighter, though, man. Like, it was... Oh, that, that division's getting really exciting. And I'm, I'm excited to see the future of this, this women's uh, fighting because, yeah, we need to start pitting some of these champs against each other. I would love to see Shevchenko v. Nunes 3. I actually saw number 2 in Edmonton, and it was a bit of a boring fight, but you had two of the goats of women's fighting in the octagon together. Um, but let's go to our main event of the night. We had Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal, and we had Masvidal coming in talking shit, saying, I didn't have a full camp. I'm going to beat you. This is no problem. It's going to be easy work. And he specifically said, Kamaru Usman doesn't know how to box and doesn't know how to throw punches. Did you see the finish of that fight, Phil? Uh, the knockout in round two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Kamaru Usman knows how to throw a punch. I, I think his 19-1 and record um, definitely shows that he could pack a punch. Uh, is he not still the welterweight champ? Yes, he is our welterweight champion on a current 14-fight win streak. Put this into perspective, the record's 16 right now, Phil. Anderson Silva has the the record for uh, win streak at uh, 16 wins in a row, and Usman's at 14 right now. He, so two to tie, one to beat, or three to beat? Yeah, and he is lapping the, wel- uh, the welterweight division right now. Like, he's literally beating guys, going on fighting other guys, and then coming back to beat them again to be like, yeah, I'm still better than you. <laughs> well, this one uh, I think we definitely picked this one as well. Um I don't I don't sleep on Usman anymore, that's for sure. Does he like 
does he just wait for someone to get better? <laughs> or like, where, where, where are we going in this division? He's kind of calling his shots now. Um, <laughs> he said he would really like to um, fight Covington again. And I know Coving- Colby Covington has been calling him out a lot and ducking him here and there. He broke Colby's jaw last time. And he's basically said, yeah, I'll do it again. I'll knock you out again. And uh, I think <laughs> I think he can do it, man. He basically has his pick. You think he could break his jaw again? I think he can knock him out again. I think Usman is such a dominant champion. People have talked about him going up to fight at middleweight. He doesn't want to until Adesanya decides he's done with middleweight, which I get. Uh, he said, um, I'd rather have two African champions with two belts than one African champion with one belt. And I totally get that because... Uh, UFC and MMA right now in Africa is getting huge. They're talking about when the world open, opens up again, doing an Africa card, having um, Kamaru Usman on the card, having Izzy Adesanya on the card, and of course having um, uh, current heavyweight champion uh, Francis Ngannou, and just having a powerhouse of a card, which I think would be absolutely incredible i think all three guys grow grow the sport grow the sport for sure exactly and i think all three guys could hold their belts until then these are three of the most dominant champions we've seen in the ufc in a long time so i mean exciting things coming in these divisions um i would love to see my boy wonder boy get a shot at the welterweight title i think that's what everyone wants to see right now he's just such a nice guy he's had a, a couple shots against tyron woodley uh he had one that ended in a draw, one that ended in a controversial loss, and he's kind of working his way back up. But yeah, I I think Usman, obviously at this point, gets his choice of who he wants to fight next, and kudos to him, because he's just started calling his shots, and he's he's performing, and he is absolutely like doing what he says he's going to do. Like He's gotten to the point where he's like, yeah, I'm going to knock you out in the second, and then he knocks him out in the second. Like The man tells him how he's going to beat them, and then does it. So it's really exciting time to be a, a UFC fan. Something that I wanted to uh, note about uh, Kamaru Usman, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, he So a lot of people said he's a boring fighter because he's a wrestler, and that's why he never got pay-per-views. Well, actually, what uh, the story behind that is, is Kamaru Usman actually asked to never be put on pay-per-views. Uh, his dad was serving a prison sentence, and the only way that uh, his dad could watch his fights was if his fights were on free TV, because at the prison, they weren't going to shell out for a pay-per-view or anything, and he wanted his dad to be able to watch his fights. So up until his dad got out of prison, who was at the fight, and uh, at the finish, he wrapped the belt around his dad's waist, which I thought was a, a pretty cool sentiment. Uh, yeah, he would only take free fight cards so his dad could watch him. And now you see him growing to superstardom, and I love it, man. Kamaru Usman is one hell of a fighter. Yeah, that's actually something I, I, I read about. I thought it was great. They were saying how the whole entire prison uh, would just kind of shut down and tear on his boy, and nobody was doing anything but watching the TV. So I didn't know the free part, the pay-per-view part, but hey, he's out of jail now, and your boy's... 19 and 1 he's uh he's gonna be making a lot of tv money that's for sure and dalton can we move on to 
TV money that the NHL is going to be making soon. Oh. Because they just reached a deal with uh, Turner Sports, seven-year media rights, and it'll be the NHL games are going to be televised on TNT and TBS. This is very good for the sport. Bettman keeps doing some uh, some good things here with our uh, with our favorite sport and and the way it's going to be marketed. Man, I was talking about this the other day with uh, a buddy, and this is huge. This is absolutely huge. This is the first time since ever. Ah, uh, no, ninety eight, ninety nine, that the NHL is going to have two network partners in the USA which I didn't even know was not a thing until now like and not just two partners two of the biggest partners in American television like I think personally barring the uh, the uh, loss from COVID and stuff first you're gonna have to have the recovery to get uh, the the funds back up and stuff so your your cap's gonna stay flat for a little bit but I think moving forward this is going to be huge for the NHL salary cap in the future. It could affect the NHL the way the NBA did when they signed their huge deals with ESPN. Did you hear? Did you hear? Hear what? They said the cap is to increase sooner later because of this deal, which is very good for the high cap teams that uh, the, both the Oilers and and Leafs are in a lot of teams in the whole entire league. So I thought that was something that I had to mention. Absolutely. Well, this is like, it's it's massive. It's a massive deal. And not just one massive deal. Two massive deals where you're going to be growing the sport. You're going to be growing its coverage. Like ESPN and TNT have some of the biggest coverage worldwide on sports. Period. And now the NHL is going to be in there with all the other big sports. You're going to have NBA, MLB. Uh, look at what it did for the UFC. The UFC ESPN deals what made basically UFC mainstream. Like, and it's uh, it's massive. I'm so happy about it for NHL revenue. I think this is the ultimate way for them to come back, especially in a season where you haven't been able to have many fans at all. Um, it's been known for a long time. The NHL makes their revenues from fan attendance. And I think this TV deal, well, these two TV deals are going to be huge. Absolutely huge. And I totally agree with you. I think it's great for the teams, especially that are cap strapped right now, because we might see that cap skyrocket a little bit. And then when things go back to normal and we've got full capacity stadiums again, we could see salary caps and contracts of players signing just go up by huge increments and they're trying to get more fans and more visibility and hbo max is part of this deal which is amazing to see that it's going to be on that streaming service so they're getting all these avenues where people can see hockey and watch it and maybe grow the game and seattle is the 32 uh 32nd team now and it's official as of, as of yet, today yeah. they they as of yesterday sorry they paid and that's only going to help the league too. I love it. Thirty-two teams, baby. We're we're cooking in the NHL right now, and I want to see this sport grow the way we've seen NBA grow in the past, the way we've seen UFC grow currently. Like, I want to see NHL worldwide, man. Like, hockey is such a such an exciting sport to watch. It's loved by so many people in North America right now and worldwide. It's it's big in, in Europe and such, but I would love to see it, like, actually worldwide. Like, I want to see 
huge growth in the sport all the way around the globe. Like it's, I'm just, I'm not lost of words. It's it's really it's an exciting time to be an NHL fan, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's exactly what the goal is. But it's just such it's hard for a sport where it's very expensive and you need certain equipment and you need certain uh ice surface to play that's that's always what hinders i guess their participation but hopefully this kind of just gets fans who don't need to play hockey to enjoy it and love it and grow grow it that way i want to tell a quote that i was told the other day by my dad he said tell dalton there are no footsteps he said he said that to me at the dinner table, and I just wanted to let you know. Well, you know, it was it was. I'm the I'm the message sender, right? Okay. And uh, what what do you got to, what do you got to say about that? I say message received. Bring it on. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. <laughs> Sandro v Dalton. <laughs> no, I. Uh, it's been pretty big for uh, the Oilers the uh, past few games. I mean, uh, you had their near loss against the uh, Habs, unfortunately. They had a little bit of a comeback at the end of that game uh, back on April 21st. And then you had the back-to-back wins against the Jets, which, I mean, if you have the Oilers facing the Jets in the next round, well, in the first round of the playoffs, like, if they do finish 2-3 seed, I'd almost prefer prefer that. Like, you have the Oilers, they've beat the Jets the last six games in a row. And they've completely, it looks like they've dismantled their team. Like, you can see they're better than them offensively, and they've almost been able to score at will. You have McDavid chasing 100 points right now. And, like, it looks like it's going to happen, man. It's great. 16 points, 9 games remaining. If there's anyone in the whole entire world, he can do it. He's got the best point per game currently since Lemieux did it. Yeah, he's one point off him. 1.77 was Lemieux, 1.76 is uh, McDavid, and he's legit point per period at the moment. 14 points in the last 14 periods. Insane. Oh, man. And, like, just to be able to see this in a year where there's no fans in the stands and it's it's a little bit different and stuff and people were really worried about scoring paces and stuff like that, let me tell you, scoring is up in the NHL, and it's especially up with Connor McDavid. But I do have a question for you. Yeah. Um, don't don't take this the wrong way, but there was the stat that came out when McDavid's on the ice, five on five, the Oilers are like plus 183. When uh, McDavid's not on the ice, five on five, they're like negative 83 or something like that. What, what do you kind of think about that? I mean, there are weird numbers. It's very analytical, but it came out, and I was wondering what you thought. Yeah. I mean, it's not wrong. No, it's not wrong. It's fancy stats, obviously. You're going into analytics and such. And yeah, of course, when he's on the ice, they're going to be up by a huge increment. Like, it's it's Connor McDavid. And when he's on the ice, he's usually on the ice with Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, you're taking the two best players on that team. And like, of course, his statistics are going to be up. Off the ice, yes. It's it's tougher. You need that depth scoring. And you need the guys to, to step up. And I think some games, you do get that. Others, not as much. And, I mean, that's going to be something that's really going to be looked at and it'll show coming up to the playoffs. And I'm not certainly worried about it. You have a lot of these players that 
and teams like that have the depth but still rely on their scores and I don't think it's a bad thing to rely on your scores on your team when you have a player of that caliber but like look so like they have what 60 points so like obviously they're still winning games exactly. regardless of this stat or not but I was just it was weird to see it kind of made a little bit of sense and that's when I was like oh I wonder like this has like a negative effect in playoffs like where you just need that random third line guy to just somehow, you know, Claude Lemieux it up, you know what I mean? But that's how guys get paid after the playoffs. You have these guys that come out of nowhere. I mean, the last Oilers playoff run in 2017, it was Zach Cassian. All of a sudden, he became a goal scorer in the playoffs. And I mean, it, all you need is the guy that steps up like that. 2006, Fernando Pisani. Before that, I think Pisani had like 12 goals in the season. He was scoring like two goals a night in the playoffs, man. He was our best player. And I think you have the chance for guys to step up like that. You've got guys like Holloway coming in in uh, probably for the playoffs, at least if not a black ace, he might work his way into the lineup as uh, a potential winger. Obviously, after he gets over his injury, you've guys got you've got guys like uh, Ryan McLeod coming in. He's not looked too out of place in uh, the Oilers uh, lineup right now. And you've got guys like Puliyarvi, who's been stepping up all year. Who knows? Maybe Puliyarvi becomes our next huge goal scorer in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's the beauty of the playoffs. So I'm not too worried about it as long as you keep getting those wins, as long as you're finishing games. Then that, that's what matters, right? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many goals get scored on you or you get scored for as... Uh, I put that very poorly, but as long as you score one more goal than the other team is what I'm trying to say. So, I mean, it's... It's not something I'm too worried about, but we'll see come playoff time. Uh, one more guy I just wanted to uh, give a shout-out to on the Edmonton Oilers, Mike Smith. Can we finally put some respect on Mike Smith's name? We we should. Well, we actually do, but other people definitely need to put some respect on his name because he's been your number one goalie easily. Easily and reliable. Like He is unreal in the crease this season. And I think that needs to be respected because I know a lot of people have been getting on him for his age and for past uh, performances and such. But you look at this guy, he took the Coyotes to a conference final that they had no business being in a couple years ago. Well, not a couple, but a few years ago against Chicago. And I'd like to point out uh, the man behind the bench at that time was a man by the name of Dave Tippett. I don't know if you heard of him. He's currently coaching the Oilers. I think we might be able to get some playoff magic, Phil. I mean, I could see it. The only thing I, the only problem I ever had with Mike Smith was he sometimes looks like a wacky, wavy, inflatable or arm flape tube man. You know, the way he kind of just like, he's very out there, very aggressive and just with his arms and stuff. And that's, I, I don't know, that's not, not what I like to see in a goalie, but it works for him and it works for you guys. I was speaking to someone the other day. And I was like, I have a feeling that Freddie Anderson is going to be this leaf savior in the playoffs. I have some. I had a weird epiphany dream that, like, you know, the goaltenders goaltending is not doing that great right now, but he's somehow going to come back from the LTIR healthy and just somehow win a series. So it could be the year of older goaltenders helping our teams win. And you know what? That's not a bad thing, as long as they're winning games, man. That's what matters at the end. I mean. It's a bit of a stretch, but look at Tim Thomas, the year Boston won. He was their MVP. And he, What about the year Halak took over for Price and was an absolute monster? Right. 
Remember and easily won that that them that series, and I don't even think they were favored. Exactly, like just because a goalie's older doesn't mean he's done playing, man. Well, I mean, with Freddie's case, he's injured. Yeah, I, I mean, we we never know, but I knew a little bit was for cap reasons. Uh, I guess we can move on to the Leafs, the clinched playoffs. Leafs, da- Dalton smiling, but he's not nodding, and he should be nodding because the Leafs clinched playoffs before anyone else. 50 games played. I think they have 67 points. They have 31 wins, 13 and 5. Uh, they had two massive wins against Winnipeg, which is was great for great for Oilers fans, pushing them down with with less games in hand. Felino, he's starting to look really good on that top line with Matthews and Marner. Not too hard to play with those guys, but he's doing his job defensively and he's getting some apples. We we even got Connor Hellbook pulled, which is great. Shows that he's human. And then Jumbo, big Joe Thornton gets a goal. He's the oldest player to score for the Leafs. And he also got his 1,000th, 100th assist, Dalton, in his career. So six games remain. They play Montreal three times. So that should be good because that's potentially who they're going to be playing. I think they're about seven points ahead of Edmonton. Edmonton has two games in hand, though. And about eight points ahead of Winnipeg, which is great. So we're almost at playoffs, which is crazy. And the Leafs have a little bit of injury problems right at the moment. But they had they played Vancouver the other day. And they Morgan didn't play. Felino didn't play. A couple guys didn't play. And then they put in new guys. And they still won. And, and the top line looked like you know nothing happened. McDavid's scoring his 35th goal of the season. Definitely going to win that uh, win that award. Oh, you're talking Matthews getting the uh, the Maurice Richard? I think so at this point, yeah. Yeah, I think especially uh, his goal scoring pace right now has been unreal, and I will admit that. That's did you see the goal against Montreal? Oh, the one that he batted out of the air. Yeah, that was amazing. His hand eye. He is. Oh, and just the quickness of the shot. Oh, his release is unreal. So, yeah, and it's just crazy. He's like nowhere close to. Uh, and Cassie Campbell said he was like close to McDavid. McDavid's in a class of his own, but goal scoring wise, he's definitely up there. And I think he's going to win the the Rocket, which is funny. Uh, Jason Spezza just passed Rocket Richard on the top 100 players list, like points wise, because yeah. you know they didn't play that many <laughs> many teams, right? And um, yeah, I think he's going to win that. Um, McDavid's easily going to win the the Hart and the Art Ross. Well, that's and maybe even maybe even the Ted Lindsay, probably the Ted Lindsay. It's voted by the players. Well, I've I've heard people arguing that point too right now that uh, like McDavid shouldn't win the Hart. What more does a man have to do? He's literally putting up numbers that haven't been put up since Lemieux. <laughs> two points per game. Everyone else can get under two. He needs two. <laughs> like honestly, I think. McDavid's a shoo-in for the heart. I think he should be a shoo-in for the Ted Lindsay. And I think it's going to be another year for McDavid where he gets three trophies, where he gets his Art Ross as well for scoring. Like, the man does everything. Don't you want him to get four? Ah. Stanley Cup, ah, buddy. Hey, well, then we'd have to do five because you have to win like, the division first. Or the conference. Dalton's like, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> So it's a Saturday morning. It's early in Edmonton. I made Dalton wake up just to do this. <laughs> Can I do one more NHL shout out just quickly that I I missed? It's it's huge for for Drysidle. He actually just passed uh, 
kind of important uh, milestone that I forgot to give him credit for. He's actually become the all-time German NHL scoring leader. Past Marco Sturm with his 488th point. And uh, side note, Drysaddle's almost at 500 points now, career-wise. Like, the man hasn't been in the NHL that long, so pretty impressive. He's second in the league right now. Yeah. But uh, moving on to other hockey and other impressive teams, like you were saying, the WHL, man, Oil Kings, Wagon, Cooking, 18-1-1, Phil. I predicted these guys... Dalton, you always act surprised. Like... Of course they're gonna, they're the best team in probably junior hockey. They're I I'd predicted at the start of the year they'd go twenty and four. They're going at an even better pace than I, I had predicted. And man, these games that they're winning, like three nothing shutout, Kosa thirty saves against uh the Medicine Hat Tigers. They followed that up with a four one win against the Tigers. Three <laughs> two win to become Central Division champs for their third straight year. And then last night an eight three win over the Calgary Hitmen. Like I just think it's such a shame that we don't get a Memorial Cup, we don't get playoffs, but the things that these guys are doing right now on the ice for the Oil Kings, so impressive and I can't wait for the NHL draft to see these guys go. Like Dylan Gunther and Sebastian Kosa, they're going to go high up. They're going to do great in their NHL careers. And, like, it's exciting to see, man. It's really exciting to see, especially from the Edmonton junior team. Yeah, it's just sad that they can't compete for the actual WHL championship and the Mem Cup. That's the one thing that will – Tell our grandkids about. Oh, we missed that. That was the team, the team that could have been. <laughs> they could. They should have a banner up in the new Rogers place. But uh, did you see the uh, the scores that these guys are putting up in the uh, Canadian under 18s right now? Like twelve one and shit. Yeah, like they're decimating like Sweden. Like. <laughs> Yeah, but they beat Latvia like four two. Yeah, but I mean, you look at the lineup of Canada, like you've Shane Wright and and Gunther and Bedard, and Bedard. <laughs> like, like duh, <laughs> that that whole line can just win. And Shane Wright's gonna, I think, is he getting drafted next year? No, he's at, he's twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah, because he's so he's young. Getting drafted, yeah. Just these uh, guys that are playing exceptional status, right, yeah. or get to play for Team Canada. Oh, man, it's unreal watching the the highlights because they're just... You could put out that one line and they'd probably still win. So, can can we move on to basketball? Do you have anything left in hockey? No, let's talk about our Canadian That you were hide, you're hiding from me? Yeah. <laughs> Dalton's keeping all his little notes and his stuff that I forget about. <laughs> like, I saw... Actually, I did see the dry saddle thing, you know? I think he beat, uh, I think, like, U Krupp or something as a top German. But Marco Sturm, my man. It was a Margot Sturm. Sturm. I, I watched the NHL did a thing where like it started with the players, and then like it showed basically he just passed them super. Quick. Oh yeah, you were looking at uh, the the record of German scorers, and yeah, after like year one, it was cool one, to see some out. names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool to see like Christian Ehrhoff and stuff like that. But I guess moving on to the Raptors, uh, twenty six and thirty seven. They are 12th in the East. They have the same record as the 11th place Chicago Bulls. Uh, I think they've lost their last two, though. They got Utah tonight, so that'll be tough. But 
I don't know. It's it's like kind of there, kind of not there. There's only eight games remaining, and I think there's like three games behind the Wizards who are in tenth. So they re- need to really beat like the Jazz, the Lakers, and Clippers to kind of have a shot. Oh, man, and while well, you've got LeBron coming back for the Lakers now, they're they're back where they're at. Jazz have looked pretty good, but I mean, Jazz dropped a game to the T Wolves the other day. So. Anything's possible, I guess. Anything is possible. <laughs> uh, okay, KG. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm I'm really hopeful for the Raps. I want to see them get at least to the play-in. That would be some exciting basketball that, of course, on the podcast, start of the year, we were saying to everyone, oh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Now we're saying, well, maybe we'll make it. Now I'm saying, please make it. <laughs> yeah, but it was like a roller coaster of a season for the team. Like, starting bad, getting better, COVID, this, find a million times, uh, trade deadline. Like, it just keeps going up and down. Um, talking about tanking, but they're winning games. Like, I'm not too sure, so... Uh, we get to just we just get to watch these eight games and then pray that they are those championship Raptors still. Oh yeah. Well, you meanwhile still got the Seventy Sixers coming out saying they're still pursuing Lowry and stuff. So, but I was thinking about this Dalton, and I'm so glad you brought it up. You were like, "Why not trade him if you're not going to sign him?" And then we forgot that there's sign-in trades in the NBA. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Lowry. It's going to be a sign and trade. So we're still going to get something for him, which is good. Which is what you can't lose him for nothing, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Oh, yeah, because they're, uh, they're cap rules. Well, that's what happened with AD, wasn't it? That's how he got his full contract and went to the Lakers? Yep, exactly. A little tampering and in collusion before then. Though. Hey, there's no tampering or collusion in the NBA. Unless, well, they decide that there's tampering and collusion in the NBA. <laughs> the whole league is tampered with. Um, I'm sure this is like a short basketball talk. Uh, we'll definitely get into more playoffs-wise. Uh, another sport that definitely has some tampering and collusion is soccer. <laughs> definitely some match-fixing, too. Um, but CONCACAF, just wanted to give everyone a little update. Uh, the TFC lost 3-1. In the opening leg to Cruz Azul, yeah, they're a good team. It's it's gonna be tough. Uh, definitely not over with. They have a chance in the in the next game, but I mean, aggregates three three one now. We have one though. That's good. Way goal. Champions League, Dalton. We got four teams left. It's so weird. Uh, the the break in the Super League kind of screwed up, and I forgot about Champions League. But Real Madrid and Chelsea tied one one. Uh, Benzema. Got the first and uh, for Real Madrid. And then Christian Pulisic, uh, he plays for Chelsea, but he's American. And I think that's really big for Team USA and soccer growing in, in that state uh, country. But then I don't know. Who, do you know who was home or away? Like who, who has the advantage now moving into the next game? For Real and uh, Chelsea? Because it's 1-1, right? But doesn't away goals count more? Yes. Because so, the away goal is to the figure first tiebreaker, I think. Think, I think Real was the away goal because I'm pretty sure it was a really big deal when Benzema scored. Okay, and then that's so whoever wins, you know, the next leg 
will have to play the winner of PSG and Man City. And this was looking like it was going to be uh, P- PSG winning this thing. And then Man City wins 2-1. And I hate Man City. Why, I oughta. Matt, I'm with you there. Pep Guardiola is our uh, our old coach for uh, Bayern. And, I mean, the man just plays tiki-taka. Like, it's short passes and boring soccer. But... He wins titles and he wins games. Doesn't win Champions Leagues, but he wins his... Could this year. Yeah. Man City's a strong team. They're stacked pretty good, and you saw that against PSG. Well, the, you know, leg two's coming up, so we'll definitely see who wins those games. Love to chat about a little more soccer, especially with the nicer weather coming and, you know, it's starting to play everywhere. Um, but... First Saturday episode, kind of, I kind of enjoyed it. It's nice. It's sunny. It's middle of the day here in uh, in Mississauga. So this is what happens when we're we're working for the weekend. Exactly. Sometimes we gotta record a little bit late, but we always come through, and we always come through with some fire. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say, Dalton. Oh man, do you think it's time to wrap this episode up? We'll wrap this up right now, buddy. I just want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you for uh, being a beautiful co-host. And uh, let's talk some, some sports on uh, next uh, weekday, next next week. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to thank you for being a friend. Thank all the fans. And uh, tell them to have a good night. Well, good day. Have a good Saturday or whenever we release this episode. Thank you for being a fan. <laughs> all right, bye, everyone. Peace.